Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin and welcome to Spring 55 today. No, wait, no. The Groundhog just came out last week. Robert, Craig is with us, our Executive Director. Robert, welcome to um, Spring here in Wisconsin. Well, early April weather, <laughs> early February. I mean, I enjoyed my run, but this is not good. Uh-huh. And it is driving things like the migration crisis, which you never hear. But we will get to all that, Matt. Yeah. I'm just saying that we should enjoy it because it's here, but we should realize that it's a really bad thing. Yeah, and I think most of our listeners do, but it is um, just it's um, the weather temperatures are just unbelievable. And uh, already our February uh, in that by the end of this week will be the hottest. We're second hottest right now. We're 11 degrees over normal already. And last month, remember that awful stretch where it was like 10 days of wicked cold? That month was still the 22nd warmest January ever and was four degrees above normal. And we already talked about December being, I think it was 11 degrees above. It was Folks, warmest December on recent record. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's just worth noting as we start this show, uh, but do enjoy the weather. Like, I mean, climate's different than weather. Take the weather today and tomorrow and, and this weekend and get out and enjoy beautiful Wisconsin. Robert, before we get going, I want to remind our listeners, we are having our 40th anniversary celebration. Uh, big one in Milwaukee to get the thing rolling on March 11th. Uh, at Enlightened Brewery, 6 p.m. Folks want you to uh, sign up for that. We'll have a link where you can RSVP. But Robert, I want to start the show. I'm asking for the one-minute nugget. Um, you have been going through the archives and the history of Citizen Action. Give me one minute of a nugget that folks can expect if they come to the event. Yeah, coming out of the crash out of the late 60s and early 70s, where the left imploded upon itself in many ways and uh, and lost the public war of big ideas, but partly because of that and the, the, in the uh, you know, the disappointments over the limitations of the civil rights movement, the assassinations in the Vietnam War. Um, a gentleman named Mark Anderson in Chicago at Citizen Better Environment invented a progressive fundraising canvas model, which was to go to, to, to go door to door to people and actually talking about progressive issues and raise money to build progressive organizations. And it was so successful that it was taken on by the predecessor to all the citizen action, Citizen Labor Energy Coalition, and then eventually Citizen Action. And so it both funded the development of organizations before there was any foundation funding for organizing or program work for social justice. Multi-issue social justice groups that also worked on elections. Um, it also was a tremendous election tool because we had regulated elections where you couldn't talk to voters unless they were your members. And so Citizen Action of Wisconsin, our predecessor, built up a 100,000 members and funded the organization in large part. I mean, there was a lot of the things they had to do as well. And that that model became less and less viable at, to, with direct mail, with Internet. And so we had to close ours in the aughts. But um, I would just say my first gig, social justice gig, when I was paid to social justice, was as a canvasser for Citizen Better Environment in Chicago. And so, and my brother Ted canvassed for them too, did not know then that the, the creator of that canvas was the creator of this whole system that built up organizations like ours all over the country and built a whole lot of power and left us with a legacy to build on, Matt. 
Folks, you can hear more stories like that. Uh, we're also putting together a beautiful video with um, some of the really important leaders uh, throughout this organization. Uh, so come March 11th in Milwaukee. And again, we are taking this bad boy on tour. Uh, we're going to have 40th celebrations in La Crosse, in Wausau, in Eau Claire, and in Green Bay. And we have listings for those. Please, please get involved and uh, come out to one of those events and bring bring somebody, bring somebody who you think should become a member, should hear about this history and consider getting involved. We are on the move and have huge plans for the spring elections and have huge plans for the fall. Robert, speaking of elections, a couple things I want to talk to you about before we take our first break, and that is the MU poll is back, MU law poll. I want to talk to you about that. And then also just want to get some brief comments. Citizen Action announced its board uh, made endorsements last Friday, and we've been rolling those out this week uh, in spring primary elections. So there'll be more to come, but we'll talk more about that. But Robert, I want to couch this in the reality that we kind of all know, we've been swimming in it pretty much our whole life, uh, certainly well over a couple of decades now. Wisconsin is a swing state. It's always tight. The latest Marquette poll is shocking in some in, in one way. The poll presents Trump and Biden at 49% each to 2% undecided months out from the election. So Folks, the poll does, as a number of folks who have sent me emails, <laughs> uh, does also um, actually survey on the third-party candidates. And uh, there's quite a bit of support, initial support for them. But you can see what the Marquette poll does very well is it really does try to force everyone to make a decision if you had to choose between Trump or Biden, which for a lot of folks... If this election's close, which we expect it to be, and these two are on the ballot, you do end up, if you want your quote, I don't want to say vote to matter, end up pushing your way in that direction, right? Um, I'm not here to tell you, you know, which way you should go on that. I'm always someone who will end up trying to figure out how to make sure my vote matters as much. So that being said, 2% undecided. This is a base election, Robert, is one thing out of this poll, right? Like folks have decided sort of where they stand on this, and it's going to be who the hell gets out and votes. And then these third-party candidates, they are real. There's going to have to be arguments, not against them, but really positively for Biden and his agenda, I think, to win those folks over. And let me remind you, and then, Robert, I'm going to kick this to you, the fable of, like, the, the 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 person on the park bench and how do you get the coat off? Do you try to blow the coat off them or do you pull the sun out and get them to take the coat off? Uh, and, and so I think this poll is very reflective that the Biden campaign needs to have a serious agenda about what its record is, what its vision is that's visionary to get these folks who are many of them, I'll just say rightly disillusioned over Israel, other things, you know, need to come back. And this poll has that. Robert, your thoughts on the Marquette poll with, of course, knowing that you find all polling somewhat suspect <laughs> um, and you are often been very articulate about that. Um, your thoughts on this poll? Well, as you point out, this is a 
as polls go, one of the better polls. And uh, part of me just says, okay, news alert, it's close in Wisconsin. Like, in other words, okay, what didn't we know? But I would say that, and we've seen this growing, this is what we need to get our minds around. There are not going to be popular presidents anymore under the polarized political conditions. And this is true not just in the U.S. Matt, do you know that most Western leaders in Germany and France and U.K. have approval ratings lower than Biden's and Macron in France in the 20s? This is part of the crash. In a parliamentary system, that makes sense, right? Just because it's unusually low there, right? It's very different. Our system. It's unusually low there, too. And I think let me just continue on this. I think that that a lot of people who analyze this see a general trend among mature democracies this way. And what it is, is there are that that we have a where democracy is in many ways discredited and therefore is at risk. When you hear about authoritarian countries and an election, you hear about how both candidates are awful. Now, we don't know. We're not there. But that is the public perception. One of them may be a dictator and one of them just may be, you know, good in some ways, bad in others. But that's not. But the people experience it all as bad. Right. And so I think the Democrat coalition, there are huge contradictions in it. There is no consensus Middle East policy. There is a complete fissure within our party. There is none on immigration. There's a complete fissure. So a candidate that took the opposite position would also be uh, unpopular. And a president who achieved all that Biden's done also wouldn't be noticed for it unless you can effectively do cause and effect, which is very hard in this propaganda environment we're in and where the public mood is. So we just got to get used to it and win elections this way and then rebuild democracy. And that is what you were talking about, Matt. We've got to be clear about promises and vision. We've got to get a lot better explaining what the president's been trying to do well, especially around equity, infrastructure, climate, health care. It's just not landed on the economy. The other side is effectively in the research on polling uh, and deeper opinion uh, research on voters is clear. Voters will punish unfairly unless you land a clear causal relationship in the good way between your policy and good outcomes. And that's, and they will if the other side says inflation's your biggest problem and it's Biden, 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 and there's not a strong response. They will make that attribution. They will punish. It's our fault not for making that case. So let me just say to, um, in particular, uh, gentleman Dan Murphy. He's he's uh, sent me a couple of messages. He's right about. He said the Marquette poll when we present the close numbers um, doesn't include the third parties, and and so I do want to um, just put this out there. Kennedy has a a large number of supporters in this poll. He's at sixteen percent, right? And it leaves Trump and Biden at 40, 37, right? This is all with still within the margin of error. So, right, like nothing fundamentally changes. But what's important, Cornell West is at two, Stein four, don't know one. Okay, so um, we're not going to get 20% of the folks who kind of start, let's say, against Biden. We're talking Kennedy, West, and Stein. That's a big group of a lot of progressives, right, possibly, uh, By yelling at them, tell well what Robert, telling them, telling them that they're stupid to vote for them, right? It's exactly what you just talked about. There has to be a real argument 
of persuasion about Biden actually having an agenda that's worth them voting for. And I think that has to be made. I expect that to be continued to be made. Folks, we got to take our first break. To your correspondence, just one sentence, and that is, we need to be part of that and be talking to voters and telling us that in that and I'm not I don't know what people said to you, but there are people who say this to me that look at all the independents. This is awful. Someone should do something. No, yeah. democracy, we need to do something. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about after the break. Folks, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin or Citizen Action. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Robert uh jumped in with what really where this poll leads and why we sent out a fundraising email around this. Um, it's because this poll, both what we just talked about demands that we get out and talk to people and make these arguments. They're not going to be made over billion million dollar TV ads. They'll try. They're going to be made by neighbors and other people who have credibility in the community getting out and talking to people, hearing them, listening, recognizing that there are shortcomings, feeling them, talking about. I share many of the people are emailing me in response to our fundraising. I share a lot of their criticisms, Um, but but we can only get where we need to go by actually talking to people and and. and Let me take it to the next level. The presidential race is sort of the juice that gets us all going. But the reality is, folks, we got a lot of work and there's going to be tremendous opportunities in a whole lot of other races, particularly in the state legislature, that matter so much to our lives. And and this poll tells me overall things are really tight, really close, and our work matters. We are going to get new maps. And they're going to, for the state legislature and possibly Congress, there are going to be tremendous opportunities all over the state. And no matter what you think, even about Biden or Trump, we need to be out talking to people about all these other races, too, that matter. That matter tremendously. Robert, your thoughts. The research is overwhelming in this, what we have, and propaganda been built up as a technique since World War One, and people don't understand that when voters are feeling this way, and uh, when they don't know who's done what and what caused what, and uh, then and they just have a feeling things are in the wrong direction, then quite frankly, all of the more ads. I mean, there will be the ads. You need to balance the other title. More social media, more of the poll tested stuff. It's not moving the people who haven't been moved. The way to move the people who are movable that we could reach but have not been moved is deeper conversations with people in their community that they consider they, that they consider you know like them, right? Um, a person like them. And what you can do is you can defang if you have that conversation, the fear that's been raised by immigration and point out that the people who are fomenting that fear for their own purpose are preventing us from having access to health care and look at the health care, huge medical bills you can't pay and the and the uh, and the coverage you can't even afford to use or if it's economic, et cetera, if it's about the environment. And so, though, we need more people working with us to have those conversations that people are there's great. So many people are concerned about this. Democracy is a participatory sport, Matt, and standing on the sidelines and telling the players what to do, saying, tell Biden this, tell Biden that, 
does nothing. And in fact, if anything, it detracts from actually doing something about it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, obviously, I won't be having any direct conversations with President Biden. So uh, that's not the kind of role or agency I have in this. So I will be, for example, on doors next weekend in Green Bay on behalf of one of our phenomenal endorsed candidates uh, for Green Bay City Council, uh, both John Sheltoning, uh, Christina Thor, uh, just two of the four candidates we've endorsed up in Green Bay, uh, including our member Gloria Eastman. Shout out. They are awesome. Um, Robert. Just a quick comment or your thoughts. Our board made a number of endorsements. The spring election is upon us. Early voting has started, folks. It started this week in your municipality. They're all very different, so you'll have to call and look into your own processes. But early voting has begun. We have a primary on February 20th. Uh, the two folks I just mentioned, John Shelton and Christina Thor in Green Bay, we have canvassing opportunities if people up in that area want to get involved please reach out to natalie hoffman natalie.hoffman at citizenactionwi.org i'm going to be out talking to voters uh but robert we're we made a number of endorsements around the state all local elections that uh may not be of interest to everyone statewide but could you at least talk about the importance and the role of progressives and us being involved this is our this is where we need to be this is where we need to be developing and finding and supporting the leaders of tomorrow. I mean, people complain about the leadership in local levels, city, counties, the uh, school board. They also complain there's no farm system. And why do we have all these uh, unappetizing candidates? It's because not enough of the good people are running in the first place. And this is where you start. So there's an incredibly important government going on, local government. How much climate implementation and uh, the economic transformation that's part of that green revolution happens is dependent very heavily in our system on local governments having good leaders who plan it and get the federal money. It doesn't just come that the, the work group in the WPA, like night theories didn't just arrive and do it regardless of whether you have good leaders. And so, I mean, John Shelton's an example, but there are some exceptional people who will not only do a good job, he'll do a great job on the Green Bay City Council, but are also the kind of people we want to run for assembly, for Senate, for Congress, for governor. And we've been lacking that. In addition, having those vibrant candidates down ballot once we get to the general and state legislature is critical to genning up turnout and excitement to overcome a lot of what we talked about with President Biden. And I do want to thank you, Matt, because you did make it clear that this is only the first round of pre-primary endorsements, because candidates uh, contact number contacted me, uh, very worried that they weren't going to be endorsed. So just for those of you who are on the sidelines and aren't involved with Citizen Action, candidates are beating down our door because they know that we actually have active people who do work and uh, and and then work with them after they're elected to help them be effective. Don't leave them to the system that they're running for where they're helping them on the outside and, and they're helping us on the inside. Yeah. And I look, let me uh, be clear too about just philosophically how we approach this. We are looking to develop new folks and we are prioritizing trying to elect new people. Um, and so, you know, there'll be other endorsements coming, but we will not endorse every progressive, right? Uh, that is not what we're trying to do. We're trying to be more thoughtful about how can we really qualitatively make a difference? 
and really think about movement electeds, people who want to do big things, work in relation with other organizations in our movement that we need in order to create the world we want and work beyond just their local community, understand that they need to be networked nationally. We are com deeply committed to that work. So that is going to be reflected in a lot of our focus in spring. So I mentioned we've already, we're using Green Bay as a case study, right? Today, uh, we mentioned John Shelton, Christina Thor. Let's talk about that. Um, two people on a council, right? So they will represent less than, you know, about 20% of that council. However, the person that Christina Thor is running against was one of two people to just recently vote against a climate action, uh, uh, a it wasn't even a it was an energy like an energy efficiency first step on uh, talking about climate right even conservatives it, it voted really for this hold on Rob. even conservatives gonna... voted for this right christina thor's opponent is one of two people who refuse to vote for this don't even believe climate exists right so not only is the person on that board really bad christina's amazing we're talking about a movement, progressive executive director at nine to five, an amazing organization that engages working women, has an amazing analysis, super well aligned with, with just phenomenal. We're the first Hmong on the city council, which is very much needed in Eau Claire's for representation. So we're talking about going from one of the worst to possibly one of the best and most important leaders. That is really important work that numbers right so when we're, we're moving away in some ways from volume or being like clearing houses of every progressive in the state right no we're trying to really get focused and where we make endorsements especially these pre-prime we intend to really try to make a difference in these places so um folks please volunteer we're going to have endorsements that are being rolled out throughout all of our regions um some folks have primaries, most folks do not. And we will have full field activities for many of these people uh, as we go into their April elections. So we intend to be very busy all throughout March uh, and, and most of February already active in Green Bay. So Robert, any final thoughts uh, before we go? I was just gonna try and interject a, a finer point on Christina Thor's opponent. Awesome. I would describe the resolution that this person voted against as tepid. It was designed for conservatives to vote for, you know, and just to get us going and have a first step. It's basically about clean, sustainable energy, and it, it doesn't require anything uh, very strong. And you know, Republicans were voting for it. So these people were afraid that it might actually be about all the scary things that Tucker Carlson and John Hattie says that's going to happen if we do anything on climate. So, folks, these elections matter. These are two people who can ra really radically change the Green Bay City Council. And let's be clear, what Robert just talked about, it's very right, rough city council to deal with right now. Wisconsin Conservation Voters has been working on this for four years, right? And this thing reflects the political realities. If we want to do more and do more with all of our partners, we got to change that board. We are that's the council so that the mayor has someone who will actually want to be aggressive and taking advantage of this opportunity. Folks, that's what before us get involved. Again, reach out to Natalie Hoffman 
at Citizen Action. So natalie.hoffman at citizenactionwi.org. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. Robert, oh, Trump. It's like Trump Day today. Uh, we record Thursday. While we are recording, I believe, uh, the United States Supreme Court, such that it is, uh, is taking testimony, starting to hear, excuse me, hearing oral arguments. Uh, and again, this is on the, both Colorado and Maine have removed the president from the ballot because of, um, under the idea, very clear, as Robert has said this on previous podcasts, very clear concept that he's a, a an official who participated in insurrection, and that basically uh, keeps him off the ballot. Robert, um, look, this is great theater. I really appreciate NPR with the breathless coverage, but come on. Trump is already calling and talking publicly to his Republican justices. That's what he's calling them. I hope the Republican justices. So this idea that this is not partisan court, and he knows he appointed three of his Republican justices. This is the easiest thing to predict. I hope I'm wrong. Again, for the, this court is obviously not going to find, it's not going to kick him off. And they have the easy way to wiggle out. Trump's argument, by the way, this is brilliant Trump, that he actually never was elected to anything. So he never really was a, uh, what is it, Robert? He's never really, he's not really a, a, he never signed anything or that just about every other president would have because they would have been elected to a previous court. Robert, is am I, I, am I missing I, something no, here? Maybe and I this, missed one of his arguments. I thought it was about whether the president's an officer, but I think. It, yes, it, officer. And well, what they're saying is that he's others. never signed anything like other elected officials do. This but is the exactly the kind of shit oath. that they'll use. And Here's then it the, also, like Florida with Gore, it doesn't set precedent because we'll never have a president again who's unlikely ever elected to no other office who then decides to participate in an insurrection. Well, he was elected president. So here's you get the, my point, though. This is I, a I, I, I Trump think, court. I, I, a, I think there's your thoughts. Yeah. Look, the argument is, is that the president takes a different oath and therefore you have to take an oath and then do insurrection that doesn't apply to presidents. This is the delicious problem for the, the Trump Federalist Society Supreme Court because they claim to be strict constructionists, which they use to drive to a 21st century right-wing ideological doctrine. But the framer of this provision in the 14th Amendment was asked if the president, why the president wasn't included. He explained that he was, and that was the intent when the Senate passed it, okay? Uh, and you go on about the text, but the intent and the history, but the intent is extremely clear um, all the way along. So, so Robert, I, you I, feel I confident that they're going the to try to find will... a way out, but this is a delicious problem because from a strict construction and textual analysis of the amendment, it means this, and they're going to have to find a way uh, to, to do this that that uh, that doesn't, that, you know, that it keeps their embarrassment to the minimum. But here's something to understand, I think, that's important to remember. Trump had the Federalist Society do all of his uh, vetting, right? And the the the, the absolutely um, mendacious Richard Leo that's behind a lot of this court packing. 
Um, and now they're so mad that these courts didn't stand in and support his bogus legal cases in 20, the Federal Society will be out and they're going to go and find even more extreme justices that will do the dirty on insurrection and and uh, and and claims of voter fraud. And so I think these judges know that they would not be appointed some in, in a second time, like guys like Kavanaugh in a second Trump administration, because yeah. they uh, they're they're not solid on always supporting that Trump won every election he ran in. Well, obviously. Everyone will be watching and waiting to see. But the reality is I started the show with um, the MU poll because I expect <laughs> Biden to be on the ballot. But we shall see, Robert, that aside, Trump remains omnipresent in legislation. This week was just ever present clear. He completely imploded the immigration bill or Ukrainian funding package and immigration bill. Um, and just the complete meltdown, you know, of the Republicans on this over a two week period uh, is pretty epic. Uh, but also the House managed to, you know, show the continued dysfunction over there and failed to impeach Homeland Security Mayorkas. Right. He uh, he survives and in no small part. <laughs> Thanks to uh, Wisconsin Congressman Mike Gallagher, who joined four Republicans in opposing impeachment. And Robert, uh, you know, Bruce Murphy may call this a profile in courage, but Bruce Murphy ain't his base. His base seems pretty, pretty, pretty ticked off at him. Robert, your thoughts? Yeah, and I didn't mention before we didn't that uh, Trump is not immune to all prosecution, according to the appellate court, but the <laughs> Supreme Court has that on their plate because he'll appeal Monday, that's the deadline. Will they take the case and prevent him from being tried before the election? They need only four judges for that, but they need five for a stay. So they could, if only had four, they could take it, but the trial would continue. So that they have to, then they have to, John Roberts says, figure out the politics of both those things together. So that's important, but um, we let, let's, let's do impeachment first and immigration. Go for it. Um, on impeachment, look, I mean, you know, it is pretty dramatic that Gallagher was on the floor being surrounded by people like Margie Taylor Greene screaming at him and shaking his head. He actually, he's terrible on policy, terrible, 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 but he actually believes there are some constitutional norms. That's his difference. So he's kind of, uh, and so he, um, <laughs> so he says the standards we use to say we should not impeach Trump do not mean impeachment of Mayorkas. So in other words, he, unlike the others, he actually cares what their standards were for claiming Trump should not he, impeach. He, and he the knows the thing, district he's in. Does he realize the district is in, Robert? And the second Robert. thing is, and this is the inconsistency, right? Uh, maybe he's actually courageous here. He doesn't give a shit whether he's in Congress, if they're going to throw him out for it. And that should be the attitude of all of them. I'm sick of all the... That 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 scaredy cat careerist moves of every of, of elected officials from the legislature on up. What the hell is the office for anyway? Uh, but he also says, and this is a, this is also a contradiction in their position. He says Marcus isn't like having an open border policy. In other words, like there is one, so he's full of that. 
um, at, at, uh, on his own. He's simply fulfilling Biden's directives. And that's a great point. How can Biden have an open border and then Mayorkas has gone and done it and done impeachable offenses, right? Because he, who is it? Is it Biden or is it Mayorkas that are doing this? Yeah, well, we're going to obviously continue to track all of this stuff. Um, Robert, it is worth pointing out on on immigration that that bill was a dog, you know, and it was and um, our national spoke out, you know, firmly against it. And so it's not like from as a, from a progressive, anyone was cheering for that immigration bill to pass in terms of the, from a policy standpoint. Um, and I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, uh, you know, well, just obviously yeah. this has been well talked about. We know the Republican Party doesn't care about policy and they just threw one of their most conservative members, James Langsford, under the bus to negotiate it. And they told him to and he did what they want him to. And he got a concessionary deal. And he, like Gallagher, seems to have he actually wanted this immigration policy. The rest of them didn't care. It's all politics. They're like they're closer to Trump. Right. And there's that. But then for the Democrats, look at the divisions. Look how quick the mainline part Democratic Party is willing to do draconian things on the border, which are not getting at the cause and are punishing the victims and dying their rights, rather than getting even talking about how climate change is fomenting this. And in addition, how our support in the Cold War for right wing dictators trashed every Central American country but Costa Rica. And that created the violence, the gang, the gang violence and things that are driving people out of those places. And we've taken no responsibility and then we dehumanize those people, right? And and then look at look how we're willing to do an Israeli aid with no conditions attacks where we have what the International Court of Justice says is possible genocide. Let's just stay with that. We don't have to decide whether possible genocide's bad enough, okay? We don't have to get to whether it absolutely is genocide, and we know that yet. And so, but in order to get Ukraine aid, uh, so it is interesting. You see, you see both sides. One side doesn't care about policy at all and uh, wants to protect themselves from who they call the Orange Jesus, or it's all been politics. They're like the Orange Jesus. And then on the Democrat side, we're willing to basically do very unprogressive things for political purposes and to do the log rolling need to do to get other policy through because the only way you can pass anything is to is to is to do the dirty with them on immigration well, but it's pretty clear biden was going to run on i closed the border if they passed this and that's horrendous that's like saying when clinton was tough on crime and was reforming welfare it's the same move well we are about to go to break on the Backside, we're going to be joined by our in-house economist, Dr. Michael Rosen, uh, to talk about. We got a couple of issues we actually need to talk to Mike around. We're going to keep him around for for a full segment, um, but I do want to just wrap this conversation up by saying we we started right with a discussion that included the Marquette poll and talked about the level of support for the third party candidates. Right. And Robert, you just touched on a couple of things that like for a lot of people in, in our movement are keeping them away from Biden right now. And so those are two important things that we're going to continue to track. Uh, and um, again, a shout out to our members who sent us emails and continue to talk to us about this stuff. So we'll, we will continue to address it on the show, but with that, we got to take a break. 
we we got to get to Dr. Michael Rosen. Folks, you are listening to the Battleground Wisconsin with Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are joined by Dr. Michael Rosen. I like to call him our in-house economist because he helps me out a lot <laughs> whenever I need information, including Michael we are going to get to, well, first of all, Michael, thank you for joining us. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Well, it's, it's great to have you. Um, we, we're, we're having you on cause we want to follow up a conversation about the effort by the Arizona, the for-profit Arizona nursing school to come into Milwaukee. Um, but I do want to thank you for providing information on the GOP tax cut, the the tax cut for the wealthy, that is, I believe, going to be jammed through this week or coming. And we continue to call for the governor and all Democrats to oppose this. Uh, they're trying to package it as a tax cut for working people and poor people. And uh, Michael has provided really good data that we've put out in many different forums that shows like three quarters of the money is is going to folks over 100000 And so we appreciate that, Michael. But you are not here to talk to, talk to us about that. Michael, give us an update, first of all, on what's happening with the Arizona Nursing School. It is my understanding that the city attorney has ruled that the city should go forward with it. And so it's going to have a public hearing and and uh, tell us more about what's going on and remind our listeners about why this Arizona Nursing School is so awful. Yeah, so just to start, the Arizona College of Nursing wants to come into the city. It's a predatory college, a for-profit college uh, with branches around the country, uh, very similar to Everest or ITT uh, Tech, uh, the colleges of uh, Sanford Brown, uh, Kaplan, all those colleges that uh, swooped into the city during the Great Recession, uh, ripped off uh, particularly black and brown students, made tons of money for its executives and investors, and left these students poorer, jobless, with credits that didn't transfer. Uh, and now uh, uh, another one is coming in, uh, you know, and they always find a loophole. And the loophole here is uh, the fact that there's a shortage of nurses and uh, healthcare workers are burning out. Uh, they're not being treated properly. Uh, so they don't stay on the job or they burn out and there's a shortage. Uh, and so they're coming in and trying to sell themselves or will help solve the shortage. Uh, but they have been sued already in Dallas, Texas by 19 students for the same kind of fraud that we saw with Everest and others. Uh, so we're trying to stop it. And uh, the first, unfortunately, the Board of Nursing uh, at the state level has already approved them. Uh, and so uh, when we found out about it, they we found out that they needed a, a zoning modification to occupy the building that they want on the south, southern, southern end uh, western end, southwest end of uh, the city of Milwaukee. Uh, and so we've been organizing to stop that. There is a meeting Monday, and I urge anybody who's interested to come at 1.30 of the City Plan Commission. What happened is that the uh, we addressed this issue to the mayor and the Common Council, and we actually have a petition, which Citizen Action has helped uh, uh, spread out. Uh, it's got over 750 signatures already. Uh, and um, the uh, 
city, the mayor uh, gave, asked the uh, city attorney to give him an opinion. The city attorney, uh, who we know is uh, kind of a, 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 a nutty character anyway, uh, and uh, has, has been a real disaster in that office, rendered a decision that uh, the city would be liable because this is a minor technical change. Uh, and so uh, the city would be liable to a lawsuit and the law firm representing the developer who's bringing in the for-profit uh, has sent a letter to the city plan commission uh, essentially threatening a lawsuit saying that, that this, is, this is legal, uh, they need to make the change and any attempt to stop it based on our concern of adverse impact on the health and welfare of the community uh, can, cannot be considered. We are gonna go to the hearing in any case uh, because uh, we feel that, uh, I mean, what's come out of this is that every time you talk to a different level of government, uh, they all say, well, the city says it should have been stopped at the state level. The, the state says, uh, well, the, the Board of Nursing passed it. Uh, the CPC says we can't do anything because the city attorneys ruled against it. And you know what you see here is this is exactly why people are cynical about government. If government can't protect its citizens, which is a basic function of government, if government can't protect its citizens from a predatory school that we know what its impact will be, then no wonder people get cynical about government and uh, participating in elections. But we are not getting cynical we are gonna to go to this hearing and we are gonna make our voices heard. We have nurses, the Black Nurses Association, uh, the Hispanic Nurses Association, uh, the Nurses Union uh, is coming, uh, the uh, Wisconsin Federation of Nurses and Healthcare Professionals uh, and others from the community will be there. Uh, and we, we urge any of your listeners to join us, especially if they are healthcare professionals. Robert? Yeah, thank you, Michael. Uh, you're supposedly retired, but I always knew about you that you're not wired that way. Uh, and I'm not either. So I, I, I admire your example. Um, and this important fight, it's at a broader level. There's a problem with the whole, in fact, it's a terrible word, workforce theory that is currently the reigning paradigm. And it has been moved by big corporations, by big healthcare executives. We just have, we have too many standards. We, you know, the certification's too hard. We need more, we, we need, we need, you know, more training. And that would nothing to do with paying people a good wage, working conditions. We're making healthcare completely unlivable. And I noticed the governor has just appointed a task force on workforce that includes no union members and has the people who caused the problem and who think it's the workers' fault. People are lazy, we don't have enough people willing to take our jobs, et cetera. There are too many certifications and other things, and so on and so forth. And I assume it's the governor that appoints the nursing board. So I'm just wondering, and I'm not saying the governor himself has personally you know, thought about each person who knew them, it's probably too low level for that, but the people who are advising him think that there's no problem with this model. Maybe that's a reflection of it too, but maybe I'm ahead of my skis on that one. I'm just asking you who know more, but certainly you saw this workforce 
Uh, and it doesn't, it has no, it has very few people on it. It has Janet Zander, who in long-term care will get at the core of the problem. She's from the uh, from the senior community and, and maybe Gina Denick Champion, the head of the Wisconsin Nurses Association, but they're outnumbered by all of these corporate honchos and, uh, and, and, and others. And the academic folks, some of whom would just want to get more training money for their programs, I'm guessing, some of those appointments. But am I being overly cynical, Michael? Uh, not about not about that commission. I was astounded when I saw that commission. I mean, I'm not a healthcare professional, and uh, really, uh, you know, my expertise in this has been around uh, studying for-profit colleges. But when I saw that commission, it jumped out at me that uh, none the you know, the frontline people weren't represented. And if you're going to, I mean, part of that the charge of that commission is to talk about worker burnout and why there is a, and problems with uh, attracting and retaining uh, frontline people in the healthcare industry. Uh, and, and yet the frontline people aren't represented. Uh, it's, it's, it's uh, uh, not a, not a, not a well-balanced commission and that, that's being charitable in the way I'm putting it. Um, in terms of the board of nursing, uh, you know, I think what happens is that a lot of these commissions, uh, you know, like like the uh, city plan commission are given very narrow criteria and told this is your job is to determine these things on very narrow criteria. And so every no one is responsible. And so I think with the board of nursing, they looked at it and they said, well, they're they're They are accredited and they're accredited not by a uh, uh, a scam accreditation agency. They are accredited by a legitimate one. Uh, somehow they got accrediting, but that happens. Uh, and uh, and so they just looked at it and did they have uh, some uh, nursing professionals and did they have schools set up? And so they looked at it very narrowly and not based on, uh, I don't even know if they knew about the lawsuit or if they considered it. It certainly doesn't appear to me from any of the minutes that they, in fact, I, the, uh, any of the minutes that they were aware of it. So, uh, no, I don't think you're overly cynical. I, I think that uh, the, we have a problem here of people willing to be accountable and take responsibility. Now, Michael, um, I don't know about the accreditation agency, but we all know in Enron, some of the top accounting firms in the country had given their blessings to the book. So when you make money by accrediting people, there's always potentially a problem, especially when there isn't good government oversight of that. And so I have no idea. But uh, if, oh, if, this, if this entity right. can get accredited, I, it makes me wonder about the accreditation process. Well, you're absolutely right. I, I had a lot of experience with the accreditation process at Milwaukee Area Technical College. And what they do is uh, even the legitimate ones, they hire people from other institutions. They're making money by running these accredited agencies. And, uh, uh, you know, it's uh, the uh, foxes guarding uh, the uh, chicken coop. So uh, you're right about that. The only point I was making is that the for-profits had established a for-profit accrediting agency and uh, Everest and those were all accredited by mm. that scam agency. This is actually, quote, end quote, a legitimate uh, agency, although I think you're absolutely right that there are uh, there's reason to be uh, very 
suspicious about any accrediting agency. Well, well, I'm going to step in because we are at time, and I I just want to say, look, I think we talked about what's been going on in the Chippewa Valley. We have a healthcare system right now that is messed up. It it operates like a for-profit system. It's incentives, and we need serious, serious thought at the state level. Um, what's happening up in Eau Claire is the tip of the iceberg, and this conversation was about right the supply side on 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 certainly um, the workforce shortages. And when you got shit like that going on, and we are we already know what's going on in Aurora and Advocate, right? It's hard to keep workers. So the one thing we do have control of is this meeting on Monday, Michael. Again, remind everybody about the uh, details of Monday and why it's important that you show up. The meeting. City Plan Commission meeting is at 1.30 in, at 809 North Broadway, the municipal building. It's important to show up to let the commissioners know that we do not want a predatory nursing college exploiting black and brown students and veterans uh, in Milwaukee. Uh, that that is not the way to solve a nursing shortage. It's only its only result will be to create more poor people or to make help generate more poverty among already poor people. So please come out and make your voices heard. Absolutely, folks. And add what Michael just talked about. Encourage our leaders to lead, right? And and there's been a failure of leadership. And that's we look to the local level to be the closest to us to protect us. Remind them that. Michael raises really good facts, but remind them that a broader fact because that's hopefully part of what will inspire them to stand up and make the right decision as in terms of protecting the health of this community. Thank you, Michael, Thank for being you. here and for um, leading the fight on, <laughs> on so many things. We really appreciate you. Appreciate working with you guys. Great work. Awesome. With that, folks, we got to wrap up this battleground, Wisconsin. Um, again, want to remind everybody, if you live up in um, the Chippewa Valley, please sign our petition. Um, we are calling for the state to really step in and do something around um, the, just the tragic situation with the, the closures up there. But we got to wrap up this podcast. We want to thank our producer, Brian Woldridge, this week. Uh, we thank him as many weeks as we can, but um, we appreciate him deeply, and we appreciate him even more this week. Brian, thank you very much. We'll see you next week here at the Battleground, Wisconsin. <laughs>